From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Nudists, some of them love mac and cheese. Wait, what? What is even going on anymore? It's just so infuriating every time we do these. Let me go get a glass of milk, some of my chocolate chip cookies, and good old supermarket sweep. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Five o'clock hours here. Weird setup for the NBA as the Celtics are going to be without both Al Horford. COVID related. Is this going to cost them three games? Right. And remember, there's no mandatory testing anymore. Yeah. So we see all these cases. You know, the Indians have been hit by it. Check that. The Guardians have been hit by it. The Phillies repeatedly. Steve Carr. So people are actually to the point where they're sick and they're like, I, yeah. I got to get tested. Yeah, you have to be sick. Because I know I would do everything to play, but so it must be pretty bad. Yeah, this is, it's only guys that are sick. Unless unless this is an exposure thing and Horford's been exposed and someone he knows has it badly. But I haven't seen any confirmation that he has it. Maybe he does. But then all of a sudden, um, and I'm not saying, you know, Horford is like, you know, minus nine points to the line, but he is a key player. And in combination with Marcus Smart, if Marcus Smart's only going to play four or five games, he's not playing tonight. Uh, we have WNBA in town. Aces, four-game home set coming up through next Monday. So tonight, we've got the game right here on ESPN Las Vegas with the pregame in the 6 o'clock hour. The draft lottery is coming up. We're not going to sit here and do play-by-play of it, but um should be interesting to see who gets the number one pick, and then a debate begins. And there's been a pretty healthy debate in recent in recent drafts, obviously, right now you go back to the draft with Luca. I, you know, it's funny. I I like Rick Buecher a lot. You know, longtime NBA insider. I think he's awesome. And I tell everyone, I you know, I, I am a devotee to the Gottlieb Show on our sister station, thirteen forty and ninety eight nine FM. And they were having a discussion yesterday, and Buecher was coming across like everyone knew he doesn't speak like that, but everyone knew Luca was going to be the guy. I'm like, what, really? A bunch of teams screwed it up. Bunch oh. of teams. Atlanta freaking flip flopped. So they got Trey Young, who's awesome, but he's not Luca. Kings blew it again. And DeAndre Ayton went to the Suns. Well, there, there was no complete fit. Well, the Kings, I guess, but there was no complete failure. I mean, they're all good players. Yeah. But to say everyone knew Luca was going to be this, I don't. I don't remember people first? saying that, man. Like a lot of people saying it, or people flipping out that night. Like, I know this. There's been a, I'll tell you what, where there's been revisionist history, and I will challenge. This is no one's going to do this. But I would challenge someone to send us audio from January, the year of the Zion Williamson draft, and say that Zion is not the best player and that John Moran is. Because you know what show did that? We did. We did it repeatedly. We're like, and again, I, like, I didn't want to be right. But I know you and I both were like, John Morant's awesome, and this guy is 6'6", 285 pounds. Is this going to work? And when he's played, he's he's good. But he his body can't carry the weight. Yeah, and I think it's a lot more weight than that now. But this is the great thing about the NBA draft. Most years don't have LeBron, 
or Tim Duncan, hell, even the best player in the history of the game, maybe Michael Jordan. The teams lost that debate. Yeah, it's true. So, lottery's coming up. I think the number one guy in the draft is clear. The candidates, maybe you'll have some others Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro, Jaden Ivey, and Chet Holmgren. Wow, what, what a lack of respect for Keegan Murray. I think Keegan Murray is going to be a good player. I would not pick him number one. I think, I think the I think the easy number one pick is Chet Holmgren. I think all the nonsense at the end of the college basketball season, you are rubes and amateurs if you sat there and tweeted that he's not going to be any good. He's 19 years old. Yeah. He's going to fill out at some point. He is the NBA now. We're watching the semis here. There's no true bigs. This is a guy you draft, and guess what position he plays? Small forward, hybrid four. He he can defend stretches. You get by him, he's going to swat your shot, and he's going to be an absolute B to cover. And well, the I, NBA doesn't do much post-up anymore. And that's, you know, the funny thing is we had Brad uh, Brad Underwood on the other day, the Illinois coach, and we were talking about Kofi Coburn, who's seven foot 300 pounds. Like right now, unless he can defend out to 23 feet, that's a guy, like Kofi Coburn is, I don't know what he is, you know, Benoit Benjamin from like 30 years ago, right? He's a top 10 pick. 30 years ago, top 10 pick. Yeah. Guaranteed. He's probably not a first rounder. He might not get drafted. Yeah, well, he came Seven back. foot 300 pounds, 20 and 12 in college, and they're like, can't play D. Not on this level. You don't play our game. The concern with, with Holmgren is that he's very much a finesse guy. And if he does add the strength that he has to, because he just gets thrown around, if he does add the strength, that, and he fouls way too much, obviously, um, if he adds the strength that he needs, will he still be – the athlete that he is. Will, will he still be able to get up and down the floor? Will he still be able to jump and, and do all the things that he does right now if he adds the weight that he has to add? Th- those are the questions. And I, I, I'm i not 100% sure that we know the answers to those. I'm not saying it's going to happen when he first gets in the NBA. It might take three years, but what's the difference? Most of these teams have three years. So you're, you're drafting him for other, for another team then. And that's the problem with, with projecting guys of like you're, you're drafting a guy that in three or four years then is going to go to another team. and how, know, how is that? Well, that's when that's when the rookie deal will be up. If he's just emerging, he's not going to get some mega deal from someone else. Well, people, somebody will see it. Stop. There's there's so many teams in the league that now have guys who are three years removed from the draft, and we're like, oh crap! Look at this collection of dudes they have. They're pretty good, like the Grizzlies. Like, yeah. You know, Brandon Clark. I mean, I'm not saying he's Chet Holmgren, but Brandon Clark. Like, it's taken a little while here, and now the team is ready to arrive as a group, and now you've got a bunch of these guys who are 24 years old who are all going to be good, and they could be one of the teams of the future in the Western Conference. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. I mean, what a nightmare in Oakland. It just It's funnier every day. Uh, they can't hit. Poor A's. They're hitting 199 going into yesterday. Is that good? Team average of 199. And then there's the opposing teams, and I'm sure the guys who play there hate it. You know what's weird is there are probably players, and it's the big, so you're making a lot more money, and, and th- that's where you want to be. But there's got to be aviators who go from this freaking stadium here, LV Ballpark, get there, and they're like, what is going, what's that smell? What is that? Why are there cats everywhere? And now the latest discovery is I saw the Twins play-by-play guys, like, he tweets out, he's like, yeah, we just got cleared from the booth. Why? Because there's a possum. In there, there was a possum on the loose. 
and he was like climbing out of the out of the ceiling. Oh God! Into the press box. I'm not. I'm I, first not. Of all, I'm, I'm not sorry. Spooked he, out by most animals. I never liked possum. I ran over a lot of them, and I didn't do it on purpose. They're just, just giant rats. By the way, your guy Chad Holmgren looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> He's in a suit. He's just kind of hunched over. It's it's pretty sad. Uh, I, I, Jabari I did say, look at you, what is Chet doing? He's like rocking back By, by the way, I, I got to point something out to you, right? I got to point something out to you. Because I wanted to mention Paolo Bancaro, who could be the number one pick. The kid you from Duke, Holmes? Right? So Paolo Bancaro, that, that is not a number one pick. That is a dime a dozen wing guy who may be good. But may just be a ten-year guy who averages like ten points a game, and he's going to measure at six seven. I was with Duke, you. Duke listed him at six ten. Look at how much smaller he is height wise than Holmgren. He's not a four. But I'm 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 out. Holmgren's of- like Holmgren's two inches taller than David Robinson standing next to him. Now I know the admiral probably shrunk a little bit. He's taller than the admiral. Right, but look at David <laughs> Robinson next to Ben Caro. But <laughs> Ben Caro's taller than Robinson. But I would he also is say, not. yes, he is. You shave his head; it's there's four what? inches of hair. His, okay, but his head is touching the top Adam, of the screen. What angle are you looking at on the he's TV? He's taller. He's taller than Robinson. He's not. You're crazy. I but Chet Holmgren just looks uncomfortable in, in every single way. I don't know that I would want to take him. Paolo Bancaro is like Matt Harpring, or I'll give him as good as fellow Italian Danilo Gallinari. It's a good. It's a good player. Um, okay, is that a number one pick? No. Uh, but I would also say, We've I've gone a, from the possum to yelling about of, heights of prospects. I've seen a lot of scary creatures in the in the Oakland press box. <laughs> I've been there many times, dude. I would. I <laughs> let me tell you, they they would have to have that possum in a cage and show it to me before I walked into that booth. And it was crawling out of the yeah, ceiling. Yeah, but what about all of its friends? You know they're in there too. That's a good point. Uh, I'm not going in there again. First of all, we've—I think I'm sure we've told the story of the rat in the ice machine uh, in the press box, Ugh. which was horrifying. Um, it's a like all this jokes in the story. It it is that bad. It's we awful. we have we now have the capability to broadcast. If you can get a decent internet connection, basically you can broadcast through your computer, and it sounds pretty good. I would sit in the stands. There's plenty of room. Why go? I mean, if your responsibility is a road broadcaster, there's no after hearing that a possum was like falling out of the ceiling. I, there's no way. <laughs> there's no chance. I hate those freaking things. No, I, it's already the rats are already scary enough, and the cats and everything else around there, and the sewage backing up all the time. Like, let's just stay home from that trip and, and broadcast from home. Number four. Now, meanwhile, San Diego has built a brand new stadium. It's due to open in August. It's for San Diego State and then lots of other things, right? San Diego State football is going to be there. I think it's called Snapdragon and 35,000 seats, expandable. I don't know if it's expandable back for the NFL. I suppose it could be, but it's a perfect size for that program. You know, and San Diego State is a good college football program, but they, even at crappy Qualcomm, they never really drew more than 25,000. So it'll be jam-packed at the beginning. The other hope is that they get MLS. I, I was reading, God, San Diego Sports Radio is so weird. They're... I think because we, when we all came here, right, we weren't dealing with a professional sports market, a major league sports market. And I was, you know, I had already done some national stuff, and that's what I like doing anyway. So coming here, like, I, I really, I think the, the major league sports coming here, the Knights and the Raiders has been awesome, and it's changed the market. But, like, 
I would have been fine if we if we had all of our professional sports, not major league. It, it, man, those guys because I think because they had the Chargers, they are so thirsty for pro sports. And I saw them breaking down the MLS the other day, and you and I have talked to the MLS a lot. I don't know, man. And I know the Edens guy, the guy who owns the Bucks. He's trying. He's got the project. He wants to get MLS here. You and I have talked about the stability of this league. I mean, I guess if that's what San Diego can get, I guess they have to take it. But well, it's going to be. I think the two expansion teams are going to be San Diego and us. Yeah. So we'll be in there too. We might maybe we'll have a good rivalry with them. All like right. the. Yes, the business model of the MLS is pretty shady. It's essentially a pyramid scheme. It just seems like they stay afloat by expanding the expansion fees, and that keeps them afloat for another four years. Yeah, that's that's the business model. Now, and they do get they they get good crowds in some markets, and the live gate in certain places is monstrous. And like Seattle and Portland are awesome. Yeah, again, I should be clear. I want it. I I, lo- I, I, I don't I hate go to soccer. Games, I love it. I don't hate soccer. I just I I never want to see something come here. And then, uh, I mean, and now we're past it. Remember how we, we used to talk all the time eight years ago, like, we don't want a major league sport to come here. And then it flops and everyone says nothing will work in Vegas. Yeah. Like, y- you couldn't even do that now because both, you know, the, the hockey and uh, the Raiders have worked. Yeah. And by the way, you know, we're going to have potentially, you know, more superstars coming. That's what's been kind of the model of the league in the past. That other guys have you come over. You sent over a note about Lionel Messi. Yeah. MLS? It's been disputed. But th- that, that's been the model from, from the beginning of, like, yeah. players – run their course in Europe, and then they take a big payday to come over here. Now the it's kind report, of early for him, isn't it? report has been disputed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's getting up there. The report has been disputed, but the report was that he was going to take on a 35% ownership stake in the Miami team and then come play for them. Oh, wow. Um, which would make some sense with you know Beckham being down there and, and everything else. So He's 34. Yeah. I mean, again, it, and this, by the way, wouldn't happen until 2023. So it's already a year out. It'll be 35, almost 36 at that point. Um, play a couple years and take on an ownership role makes some sense, uh, but we'll see how that continues to play out. I, you know, I heard the jokes today of he'll just come over here and score twelve goals a game. Not going to happen, um, but it, it's funny. Uh, yeah, but I, I think those are the those are the kind of things that the league has looked to do in the past. You know, other star players have come over and played a couple years here at the end of their career, and um, it's it's drawn crowds and been an attraction. And I think that would help uh, to have a guy like that who's not again not he's not forty. But he's definitely in the twilight of his career. Uh, but it'll be cool to see him over here. Number three. This to me is fascinating. We've already got the flex schedule with Sunday night football late in the season. Are they going to do it for Monday night? Yeah. Ooh. Starting next year. What? Ah. I know. All right. Well, at least it's coming at some point. Yeah. But but the, the problem that we've always talked about is like it's hard to flex a game if you – if you want to move a game from Sunday to Monday, that's one thing. But there are people that have planned trips, and you know, I'm going to go to this game on Monday night. It's to move it from Monday to Sunday is really, really difficult, um, logistically and everything else. So what the plan has been, and we saw it a little bit this year when they scheduled the, you know, a couple of Monday night doubleheaders that aren't actual doubleheaders, kind of the staggered starts, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a prelude to next year where you could say, all right, three of the last four weeks of the season you can move a game from Sunday to Monday to have a doubleheader. You don't have to move that Monday game off of it. So you can still have the game that's going to be on Monday and now put a second game on Monday night so you get that flex scheduling late in the season, uh, which will be very fascinating. I think it'll be – it's great. I mean, we're going to have better Monday night because I'm sure that the Monday night package is like, 
Wait a minute. Sunday gets to pick the best game late in the year, and we're just stuck with whatever. I've, uh, I've thought whatever's for the longest on time Monday's been screwed. Yeah. Uh, Monday night. Let's look at the end of the year this year. I know it doesn't apply this year. Give me the, the give me the candidate where you're like that game. That could be a disaster, right? They're not going to be good, or one team's going to be terrible. From the very end of the season backwards into December, January second, Bills and Bengals. I mean, I assume, I assume, it's a big deal unless they're locked in already. Sure. Well, no, that's two, that's two, two weeks, weeks before, out. Yeah. Two weeks uh, out. So that's January 2nd. December 26th, Chargers at Colts. I mean, that should be good and meaningful sure. for both teams. Rams and Packers. Is there any chance the Packers stink? Mm, I doubt it. Probably not. A uh, week before that, Patriots and Cardinals. It should be okay, but, you know, I mean, those are those are good compared to what it's been in the past. But, again, this is only on paper. We don't know what's going to play out. December 5th, Saints and Bucks. Yeah, it could be for the NFC South. Or the Saints could have six, you know, on their way to a six-win season. No, well, only if Breeze comes back. If it's Jameis, they'll, they'll be right in the mix. Number two. All right, coming up, top two stories. Raiders, we're seeing more of these uh, indexes and rankings. And what, it, I don't what is FPI, what, it, FPI, what? FPI has the Raiders 14th? 14th. They made the playoffs last year. 14th. That's nuts. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Driven to deep center field. Thomas sprinting back. Turner joins the homer party. To Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Four home runs today. Four homers today for the Dodgers. Betts, Trey Turner, Will Smith, and Justin Turner. Turner, uh, Justin Turner has actually had a weird year. He's hitting like 200. He's got a ton of ribbies. That was a freaking bomb in a close game. Five runs sixth. And lesson learned again for one Steve Cofield. When a team's 23-12, and 12, don't ever bet against them because I think I'm like 0-9 this year. No matter what, every match, because I look at matchups and I'm like, Kershaw's out. What is Pepiot? Who, what? How do you say this guy? What? So, you know, they're mixing and matching with starters right now, and they were still minus 200. Justin Turner has been swinging the bat a lot better. Oh, is that right? Yeah. One of your fantasy guys. Yeah. Of course. He was like 170 like three weeks ago. I was starting to panic a little bit, but not only like has his numbers been coming up, but he's actually just been swinging better. I think it was kind of started when he did the on-field interview when he was DHing uh, on the uh, Sunday night broadcast. Uh, was uh, doing a lot of discussion with the uh, booth, and I think he's turned around since then. Seven six win. So if you're a Dodger run line better, <laughs> you didn't win. You lost with me, and of course. The Diamondbacks did the annoying thing, and we're down 7-5 and got that one run in the ninth. It's always fun. The one run. Orlando Magic have the number one pick. There's a lot going on right now. There is. Sensory overload. Chet Holmgren to Orlando? That's what I would take. Kind of a Jim Nivey. And I already labeled Palaban Caro will not be a very successful 6-5 small forward. Okay. Every time we come back from break, he's going to be smaller. David Robinson towered over him. Well, Ben Carroll was taller on screen, but you're saying that it was because of his hair. He's he wasn't taller on screen. His, his the top of his head was almost touching the top of the screen. Stop. 
And Robinson had several inches of space. Top picks, Magic 1, Thunder 2, Rockets 3, Kings 4, Pistons 5, and they were one of the teams that had the best (laughs) best shot of the lottery. God, we have so much to go. I'm so fired up. Um, I got to mention something real quick. So with the lottery, because we got the basketball game coming up here, Celtics and the Heat. By the way, Celtics, no Horford, COVID, something. Something's going on, and no Marcus Smart. That's in a matter of minutes. They led into the lottery, Adam, with a quick conversation. Malika Andrews was talking to the commish, Adam Silver. You know, as I was looking at Silver, I thought of something immediately from winning time. And I'm like, do you realize what the... Now, he would just maybe better at it, like hiding the sinister nature of a commissioner. Do you realize what they've gone from with David Stern, or as we called him for years, Don David Sternio, who basically threatened to kill Stan Van Gundy at one point, right? And then we, I loved the interpretation of Stern in winning time. Taking away the MVP from Kareem? Well, first of all, Larry O'Brien, the previous commissioner, is like just a buffoon. Yeah. And like, I think they were suggesting that's why the NBA sucked in the 70s, because this guy running him was just lost. And then Stern is just, you know, the the little attorney guy coming in, and he's like, he's a little bit conniving. And as you mentioned, one of the storylines was Kareem misses game six of the 80 finals. Magic goes out and scores 42. Kareem was the MVP of the whole finals. He was dominant. But then Stern was like, well, TV really doesn't. He talks to Magic. He's like, TV really doesn't want to give it to Kareem because he's not here. So will you take it, basically? And they have to hash it out. But Stern, even earlier, and, and Magic says, yeah, like, I'll take it. I don't think Magic realized what he was doing either, well, the, uh, and I, that he was jobbing Kareem. I believe, and I've, it's been so twisted now from so many retellings and everything else, but I believe the actual story is that they went to the writers and they were like, change your votes. Yeah, they went to, it was Sport yeah. Magazine. They went to the writer, yeah. and writers have confirmed this, that they yeah. went to him and they're like, he's not here. Yeah. So you got to change your votes. So that like, like that's a small part of David Stern. Now, in a way, I mean, what the, his logic was right, you know, yeah. but... He also, if you noticed early on when he had met with Magic, he buttered him up because he knew what he he Larry O'Brien like. I mean, I, I don't I don't know anything about. I really should read up on him if maybe he was a brilliant guy. And Winning Time did kind of characterize some different people maybe differently than people remember. But with David Stern, like David Stern immediately knew like these two friggin' guys, you know, the White who's going to Boston and Magic Johnson, like this, they're awesome. They're in big markets. And this could be the beginning of freaking a battle of the Giants. So he was all about it. He was a brilliant man. Yeah. He was slimy. Sure. As many powerful people are, you know. Well, he was. I still, I still will never understand the Lakers not getting Chris Paul in a deal that was fine for everybody and handing him to that racist scumbag, Donald Sterling, and ruining Lakers basketball for like six years. Don't get that one. They didn't want, they didn't want to cone defensively. No. David Stern's arrogance got out of control at the end of his sure. at the end of his uh, well, and, and he did like you can argue that what he did was slimy and wrong and not right for the integrity of the game, but what he always did was what was best for the what league, which is technically best. his yep. job. Yep, that's a good point. It's a good point. He, but he is the rare commissioner in recent times that it felt like the owners were like even with him. Like that ain't Raj no. in the NFL. No. Those guys are running amok, and Raj is, like, trying to hold all the leaks, you know? <laughs> I mean, we just had the story last week where, again, it's it's schnats. 
Papa John, but Papa John was saying that, yeah, you know what? Jerry Jones came to me and we, he wanted me to cook up this whole thing about the flag and the anthem and Kaepernick. And it was all an effort for me to get all loud about it to try to get Goodell fired. <laughs> Which is as much as like, it's the first time Schnatz has ever said anything believable in his entire like, life. What, what do you, what do you think would have happened? And maybe it did at some point we didn't hear about it, but what, what would have happened along the way? If a couple of owners in the NBA got together and they were going to try to fire David Stern, <laughs> they're not going to be seen for a while. <laughs> right. Like not to make light of it. Cause it, it's a dead body, but you know, they could have been in a barrel in Lake Mead. Sure. Like that's how powerful David Stern was. Probably the last commission who's ever going to be like that. I was actually going to carry one step further and like name some names. That's not, that's not right. I won't do that. Don't <laughs> don't. We don't want to get in trouble. No. All right. So FBI, back to the NFL. FBI, what is that again? Uh, I think it's ESPN's power index. It's, it's the power index. Right? Yes, essentially football Raiders, power index. Raiders are fourteenth. I told you we're going to talk about it here, but pay a bill here. We'll come back. Got to get into that. Also, there's a lot of Raiders fans. Every year, I, I read the blogosphere and I see Raiders fans reacting to odds, and they're like, they're completely insulted. Like, folks, go and bet it. Seriously. Go and bet it. And by the way, you can go 10 and 7 in one year, add a bunch of players, and actually be the same or worse record-wise. You know that, right, folks? Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. If the Knights were to move on Robin Leonard at five mil a year, would someone have interest in trading for him to be their starter? Starter is the word that I struggle with, guys, because I think he's more of a tandem goaltender. He's not a 60-game starter. He's, for me, about a 45- to 50-game guy. So that means you need somebody who can play 35 games. That's, That's a tandem. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. God, what a day in sports. There's so much going on. Jimmy McLennan yesterday. Five mil for a 50-game goaltender. That is something that the Knights are going to have to wrestle with. Well, fans wanted to pay seven and a half million for like a forty-game goaltender. So, God. what's the problem? Can we just well, let's just carry let's just carry the show up to the aces? Management here would be all about us going right through the six o'clock. Come on, it's a good show today. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, we're going to get you ready for the NBA Summer League in about ten minutes. Albert Hall, who runs the league, is going to announce uh, the dates and ticket availability, and we'll talk about some of the storylines. Lottery just won by Orlando. Orlando better take Chet Holmgren, or else I'm going to flip. It's not. It's not what uh... I was right a couple of years ago. Imagine the Warriors now. I sat there on draft night and I told you for months. Imagine the Warriors now, with Clay Thompson, who's good, but you know not all the way back. He can always score in a game six, but, you know, the rest of the time a little inconsistent. Warriors, Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, the last two guys I mentioned getting a little older, and LaMelo ball around. Yeah, that, that could have been okay. Fourth guard in the rotation. Might have worked. We don't want him. Yeah, it's ridiculous. They've gotten nothing out of the number one pick, essentially, because he can't stay healthy. Wiseman. And now you start looking around. You're like, does anyone want a seven-footer? It's true. Well, he'll be back. He'll be fine. And we're going to have a title to show for it this you year. You and the so we stuff. We're so good. It's so, so silly. We're good. And McLennan was on yesterday, uh, former, former NHL goalie, talking about the uh, Knights issues. You can listen to the archive of that show, lvsportsnetwork.com. So, 
Uh, Raiders by the numbers, by the odds, are about what we thought. And Raiders fans are blowing up because more and more of the uh, the numbers are coming out. They're picked for by the odds are picked for fourth in the division. Everyone is expected to be you know more than competitive. Has the Raiders total bumped up to nine yet, or is it still eight and a half? Still eight and a half. Okay. So, like, let me read you one blogger, Raider insider, was having trouble understanding how the odds makers aren't installing the Raiders as a better team this year. They added Devontae Adams. They added Chandler Jones. They got Rakasin. What is the freaking problem here? And they're, they're like, a lot of them are having trouble coming to grips with it. One guy says uh, Raiders were the fifth best team in the AFC conference last year. Every accredited media outlet has them at a minus or better for their off season. Yet every media outlet has them finishing last in their own division. Please explain this idiotic tendency. How, how were they the fifth best team last year? On what measure? Well, what seed were they in the playoffs? Well, I guess they were fifth, but yeah. that, that, I mean, that's not, that doesn't, that doesn't, first of all, again, as we pointed out, right now they are four, again, just use FPI, and it's not the most reliable thing. I prefer like Football Outsiders DVOA, but let's just say for FPI, they're 14th best team in the NFL. Still fourth in their division. You could be the fourth best team in the NFL and be fourth in your division. Okay, let me throw this one at you. They finished in second place in the division. How are they last now when they've improved? Well, other teams have gotten better. The Chargers clearly got better. I mean, the Chiefs might have gotten a little worse, but the Chargers got much better, and the Broncos added one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, how would that be? How is that even hard to understand? It's amazing. I see it all over. Raiders Twitter and the Ra- Raiders by, bloggers. And by the way, the Raiders. Let, let's let's break this down even further. The Raiders last year weren't a good team. Their record was much better than than every other metric would indicate. They found a, a way metri- to win. A games. lot of the metrics had them as below fifteen in the league. Twenty. They were. I know they were twenty-one in DVOA. They were minus sixty-six point differential. The majority of that was the two Chiefs games, which sure. I will always bring back. I wouldn't go with the point differential. They won a lot of close games, which, as you say, you know, from year to year, that can be a coin flip situation. Yeah, not sustainable. I think the Raiders can go ten and seven again, but it's not going to be easy. And they better kick some royal ass in the middle of the season, like they can. And what I'm counting on is they cannot lose some of these road games. But, but, and that's and that's a tough thing because last year, like you, you know, we're saying you can't lose to the Giants on the okay, and it happened. Like they have to, they have to win at Seattle. They have to win at Jack's. They have to win at New Orleans. And they have to win at Pittsburgh to really push for 10 or 11 wins. The thing is, they could be a, and I do think they're going to be a significantly better team and Mm -hmm. still have a worse record. That is possible. I know it sounds crazy and it's tough to comprehend, but it's very possible you can make a dramatic improvement, still be worse, because not only all the things you mentioned, the six games in the division are brutal. Your crossover games are against the NFC West, which is brutal, and you have a second place schedule on top of that. That's, which is that's the so that's tough. the best offense is that when you have a good season and you outperform your numbers, you can get job the next season because they don't care what the numbers were. All they know is that you get the second place schedule. Yeah. Yeah. And the Broncos in your same division have a fourth place schedule with a much, much better team. 
And the Chargers have a third place schedule. Yeah, I would argue the much Broncos are not much, much better. But you love you love the Broncos roster. I don't. Well, I mean, they're quarterback's the most important position. They're unquestionably upgraded there, right? So And I mean, you you believe that the receivers lack of high productivity was a quarterback issue and not a wide receiver issue. Yeah. I think it's a wide receiver issue. Well, I guess we'll probably find out. In, so, yeah, right? We all, I mean, if, if Russell Wilson Well, unless Jerry make, Judy's in jail. Well, that could hurt. Yeah. yeah. That could definitely hurt. He'll, he'll have zero drops. We're doing jokes now on Jerry Judy? You can have a drop if you're not on the field. We got it. We got it. All right, let's get you ready for the NBA Summer League. It's back again. In July, we'll tell you about all the uh, important storylines, including the fact that, hey, the guys we just saw up on the screen for the NBA Draft Lottery, the majority of those guys are going to be there. And that it's been an unbelievable show over the years, getting our first look at the future superstars of this league. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. You know, we've got Major League Sports here with the Golden Knights and and the Raiders, and it's changed the market. But, you know, one of the events in the league, really, that paved the way for that was the NBA and the Summer League, right? The acceptance of Vegas. Albert Hall is the guy that runs the Summer League. He's back again. Better than ever. July. We'll get all the details from Albert here with uh, Cofield and Adam. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Pleasure to be here once again, Steve. It's been a number of years, and we're back for season 18. Pretty freaking cool. So uh, give out the uh, details, you know, the, the teams that are going to be here, and then the possibility of seeing a bunch of the guys that we just saw at the draft lottery. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we go on sale tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., but the Summer League will be back 75 games July 7th through the 17th. And, uh, you know, the best ticket in sports, in our opinion, you get up to eight games in one day for a low, low $40 fee with GA. And, uh, you know, reserve seats, you get to see everybody right there in person. Uh, you mingle with them throughout the venue. This year we'll be back with all of our fan activations. And it'll just feel like, uh, you know, normal summer league once again. And this draft is shaping up to be something pretty darn good. You guys have been doing this for so long and it's grown exponentially over the years. But every year it, it does seem to get better. Like, what do you continue to learn when it, it's become such a big event, such a great event, but there are still things every year that get better and better. How do you continue to do that? What have you learned the last couple of years? Well, we learned, you know, what our audience wants each and every year. I mean, as you touched on, Vegas, when we first started this, there weren't any professional sports teams, and we like to think we softened the beach a little bit for that. Yeah, no doubt about it. But, um, you know, fans want they want to see the stars. They want to have access. Um, they want to feel like this is their part of, of the NBA. And more than anything, they want to be an insider and just give people an inside look into these first-year players. And um, each year we try to put a little different wrinkle on it. We're, we're very happy to announce we just landed a new deal with 2K Sports as our new title partner. So we're very excited for that, uh, the NBA 2K23 product will be on full display and um, you know that audience is younger and they they really in tune with these video games and so are these players so I think we'll have a lot of a lot of fun uh, activities and excitement in the building yeah, 2k is not a huge NBA brand or anything 
<laughs> no, not at all. So that's a big one. I mean, for us, obviously, the activation and bringing everything back the last couple of years, um, we were very fortunate to be able to, to have Summer League last year, but it was a little limited. And then this year, you know, we're planning, we're bringing out a social influencer game early on. We've got some of these VIP packages and behind-the-scenes things and experiences that we're doing. Uh, we're working on maybe integrating in a few stars, a few music acts, things like that. So you know us. Every day we're uh, we're throwing something on the wall and see what sticks. Albert Hall, the Summer League is with us. It goes down July 7th to the 17th. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, it's 18 years in now. And it's funny, I was just thinking yesterday when uh, some players were banging on Chris Paul for being old, I'm like, where's the time gone? You know, Chris Paul was in this thing at the very beginning. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you go back to 04 in that first class. I mean, Rondo, and then I think Paul was 05. But it, it's just crazy how all of these players have gone through the entire league. And if you look up on our, you know, our wall of fame up there, I mean, just all the guys who have really set the tone for the league and what it is today. Um, you know, they all got their start right there in Vegas as young, you know, nervous, inexperienced rooks. Um, and the beauty is we have the best fans in the NBA in the summertime right there. I think everybody who's been in there knows that that place can be rocking, whether it's the energy of Cox or, you know, the drama of Thomas and Mac for the big games that we have in there. It's just a fun atmosphere. Um, everybody's got a relaxed sense of being. And, you know, when LeBron walks in and, and you know, the place goes nuts, it's like, okay, who's next? And last year Giannis did that. I mean, it's just a fun, fun atmosphere. And each and every year we expect those guys to show up. Yeah, and to build on that, we should reinforce the fact that with the relaxed atmosphere, I mean, it really is like the NBA uh, pro basketball convention here. And the access to folks that you would never really have access to is great for the fans. Yeah, no, and it's happening. I mean, we, we design it that way. Obviously, we want to be safe, but the fans really, really do expect that, and the players really embrace it. I mean, a guy like, you know, use uh, Bradley Beal or James Harden or, or, or Giannis, one of these guys who started there, has great memories of how it kind of launched their NBA career. I mean, shoot, Steph Curry, I mean, he comes back every single year just to pay tribute, and, and we really appreciate that, and, and the fans appreciate that. Even if it's just a smile, a couple photos, a couple autographs, I mean, no matter what, you can say you were in the building and tell some good stories. We have the number one and two pick. Are we guaranteed to get the top picks in that opening night on that Thursday? Yeah, that, I lo I'm glad you asked. I mean, this year's a little different. We're going to open on a Thursday and finish on a weekend on a Sunday, so the idea on that Thursday night is we're going to have a, a double header of the top four picks. That is the goal. Um, you know, you just saw the draft lottery take place, so you're looking at, you know, Orlando, OKC, uh, Houston, and Sacramento. Detroit came in fifth there. But uh, a combination, hopefully, of those top four picks, get them signed and go head-to-head. -head. You know, that's kind of a staple. We've been doing that since going back to the Blake Griffin or the Kevin Durant, Greg Oden days. You know, we try to do that each and every year is match those guys up and see how they stack up. And, and as you know, over 75 games, there's always somebody who takes the, takes the spotlight and makes it their home. Albert, we appreciate the time. One more time, throw it out there, how people can get the, uh, the first look at the tickets starting up tomorrow. Sure. July 7th through 17th, tickets on sale tomorrow, 10 a.m. at nbaevents.com, unlvtickets.com, or call 702-739-FANS. And, of course, you can always walk up to the Thomas and Mac box office. There you go. Albert, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. There he is, Albert Hall. It's a good event. I love the summer league. <laughs> I know you do. But I mean, I, I've told the story so many times, but of you know seeing Giannis for the first time and 
just watching him. Just He had a, a pretty bad first quarter in his first game there, and I was just like, this guy is amazing. And people were sitting around me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, just look at him. Yeah. He's going to be ridiculous. He was take, It was like three dribbles from half court to a dunk. Like, this is crazy. Well, I always tell the story every year just to reset, you know. Again, we're paid to have opinions, and we're often wrong. Um, who, was the, who was the one the other day? It was, uh, oh, it was Doc Rivers was trying to go at a radio guy in Philly. He's like, uh, you know, are you fired every time you're wrong? That's not my job. I can, I can be wrong. Sure. Okay. But uh, yeah, one of the one of the cases where I was most wrong was watching Chris Paul in 2005, and he apparently was playing on a bad ankle. And I'm like, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see what I don't see this guy being great. I remember you were like, he's a cone defensively. <laughs> I, I was the one who came up <laughs> yeah, with that. Now yeah. he just he, he wasn't he wasn't right, and he turned into a, a great great player. By the way, we're giving away tickets for this, right? Can we do that today? No. Okay, tomorrow we'll give away the first tickets. For the NBA Summer League, that'll be on uh, tomorrow's Cofield and company. But if you're a caller, like, 1,048 right now, should we make Ari just stay 24 hours and <laughs> just has to answer phones? All right, number tomorrow. one, number two. No, that is not true. It's yeah. not. So we'll, we'll give those away tomorrow. A um, couple of notes on the NHL before we get out of here. And we do have the Aces game coming up. Las Vegas Aces down at the MUA. As, as uh, Ari was pointing not, out, what? McAlter Arena. It's not the MUA. It's not a thing. Well, you cross the Haas to the Mua? Makeup artist, I guess, is, is the real Mua. Sure. I thought it would – it's better than a Haas. Well, you take the Haas to the Mua. You take, you, if you want to walk. I mean, yeah. but no, I actually – if you drive. Is sure. it, can it be the Haas if it's not a walking area? I think the Haas is more when it's, it's closed down and it's foot traffic. This is the dumbest thing. Well, we've talked about a lot of so, dumb things so before. Dumb. Yes. Um, will Barry Trotz have a job? The liege. <laughs> I want to get to the you NHL. Go from the liege across the Haas. The liege. Allegiant. Stop. <laughs> uh, the Al is fine. Will the Knights lose out on Barry Trotz in like the next couple of days? He interviewed in the peg. Here we go with possibly. The, but I, I would also say, like, oh god, if I'm Barry if, Trotz, if I'm not taking a job. We lose to Winnipeg. Well, you don't know that you he's said a, it was totally lame there. You don't. Need, it's awful. Come on, Trotz. Uh, it's awful, but he, you don't. You also don't know if he is actually the first choice, the first choice of the fans for sure. Um, I, I would, I would say, if I'm a coach that's interviewing for jobs, I think the the job here is probably worth waiting and just be like, hey, I don't care if I miss out on everything else. I'm waiting for this. I'm not taking another job. I'm certainly not taking a job in Winnipeg. Am I crazy in thinking that McPhee and McCrimmon and Foley are? Not going to go with a fan choice. Oh, no, of course not. They shouldn't. Do you think they completely go off of the list that you guys put out the other day in the RJ? You go away from the list? Yeah. Possibly. Like no Rick Tockett. Quenville's very iffy anyway. Toxic. Trotz. Tortorella. Which I, I'm, you know what? I got to say, I'm actually rooting for Tortorella to get the well, job. As a, as a radio host, of course you should I be. am so rooting for that to happen. <laughs> I think it would be awesome. I am behind torts. Sound bites every day. Oh, it's great. And there won't be walk-offs. No, that there like, will. No, no, there won't be walks off, walk-offs like Gallant. Yeah, there will. I mean, he's done it no, many I times. Want, I want face-to-face challenges. Okay. I want <laughs> stare-downs. Fair. Maybe there will. Let's go. DeBoer walked out a couple times, too. DeBoer did. Yeah. He got annoyed a few times. Sure. I'm missing up. Uh, did I mention Paul Maurice? No. Okay, that was that was on your on your list in the RJ. Like, what? This is just a guess. Would DeBoer go to him and be like, nightmare? Probably. Yeah. 
probably. And would he want? Would he want to take it after you yeah. know his his good friend got fired? I, I don't know. It's also possible divorce. Like, hey, Vegas is a cool place to live. Go ahead and take it. I don't care. But you don't you don't know that he would put in a good word. No, you don't. You don't know for sure. What about Derek England? I saw a fan say that he has to get an interview. Well, I don't know if you'd want one. That was my question. Like, does he want a coach? Is like the, that that big a gig? Seems like he's having a great time right now. Saw him a couple times late in the season. Being a coach can be a pain in the ass for sure. Why why take any chance at tarnishing the legacy? Like you're a legend here. 